G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Martin Niles is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin's back with us. Hello, Martin. Welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back. Uh, Martin, let's start with one of those headlines uh, that I know that for many will have been quite emotive even over the weekend because the very first participant in the voluntary euthanasia that is now able to happen in Victoria has uh, has uh, uh, lost her life. The woman, a 61-year-old cancer patient from Bendigo, uh, this is, we'd been expecting this, but even when it does happen, it becomes a shock. How did you feel when you heard the news? Yeah, look, it's sad, Neil. I think, um, you know, we had the laws passed, which was very sad, and uh, now, of course, you've got the laws being implemented. And so a uh, 61-year-old lady in Bendigo uh, who, you know, is, um, by all measures, uh, a prime candidate for euthanasia by the activist uh, narrative, uh, which is that she's in the late stages of cancer. Um, she uh, was suffering and, um, you know, she, she took her life, uh, as they say, peacefully. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's just because I know that this is not the end. Um, that's why it's sad. It's sad for two reasons, actually. It's sad Firstly, because I know that this isn't the end for euthanasia advocates and the euthanasia laws, uh, but also it's not the end for Kerry. Uh, that's the other lie about euthanasia. Uh, but the first thing is, you know, in every jurisdiction where euthanasia has been legalised, it has at first been uh, limited to people like her. Uh, it's at first been heavily limited to people in the late stages of, say, cancer usually, but it never lasts. It just never lasts. Because once you say that that bedrock principle of the absolute sanctity of life is not the principle by which you are running your health system, once you say that uh, the notion that a doctor can kill someone uh, is not completely out of the question, but sometimes it certainly is in the question, uh, then there's no end to where you can go. Because why, why a six-month prognosis? Why, why would you say that someone should live for six months and, and that should qualify them for euthanasia? Why not eight why are you so inhuman and, 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 dis- and, and, and non-compassionate that you wouldn't allow someone with eight months to live to die? Or, you know, why is it that it has to be physical suffering? You know, people have been campaigning around mental health for, for years and years and years, uh, and they want to destigmatize it and say it's just as valid as suffering as physical. And, and that exact argument's been raised in Belgium, the Netherlands, other jurisdictions, and it always wins out in the end. And then you can say, well, why does someone have to be over the age of 18? I mean, my 17-and-a-half-year-old daughter uh, has only got a few months to go. Why are you being so cruel to her? She needs an empowered and a dignified death. And that argument as well comes up. And, of course, we know now that children of any age can be euthanized in, the, in Belgium in particular. Uh, and you've actually had an 8-year-old, a 9-year-old, an 11-year-old and all sorts who had disability being euthanized. And, and this is where it goes. And that's where you get these harrowing and dreadful cases coming out from all over the world now of people dying for disability, people dying because they're depressed, people dying because they're alcoholics, people dying for... It's just unbelievable. Dementia patients who never requested it. 
I know this is where it's going to go because it's where it always goes because we've lost something. We've lost an immovable basic principle that actually is God's principle, which is that life is sacred. Uh, and once it's gone, you don't know where to draw the line. It is an emotive issue and interesting the way that the reporting will be and has been and, uh, you know, the reporting, say, of this lady's daughters who say it was a gentle, beautiful and peaceful thing uh, when their mother, uh, you know, drank the liquid and uh, and died. But you raise something very important in here, I think, for our conversation today and how we might appreciate these things uh, on a political level, uh, that there is a principle involved and no matter how emotive and how, how even warm and fuzzy people might make things like this sound, as Christians we do stand on a principle here, the value of human life, and we recognise that there are some challenges and uh, some very drastic things that happen once you actually uh, break that principle, which appears to be happening in Australia. But we are a principled people, Martin, and uh, we can't forget that. Uh, we're compassionate, but principle here is very important. Well, that's right. And, um, you know, hard cases do make bad law. I understand. Oh, look, I completely understand the fact that some people are afraid of death. Some people uh, have a certain anxiety around how that will play out. And some people see people suffering and say, I want to help. But, you know, some things sound helpful, some things even look helpful, and they're not helpful. Uh, that's one of the things public policymakers need to deal with all the time. But, you know, there is something else. And look, it's a bit sensitive, but it's true. Euthanasia enshrines a lie about death. I was reading the article and was really saddened, actually, because they said, well, you know, mum had an empowered death. And I thought, there's nothing empowering about death. Death is the ultimate disempowerment. It's death is death. You know, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you dress it up, uh, you know, it's the end. And, and, and the Apostle Paul calls it the final enemy. Uh, he says, you know, it is the thing that will get us in the end. And if anybody wants an empowered death, there's only one person that empowered death, and that's Jesus Christ. He conquered it. He rose again. And because of that, those who put their faith in him also conquered death. And that's the only way, the only way to empower yourself in death is to live through it because of what Christ has done uh, and, and rise again as he's promised in the future and, 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 and live with him. And, you know, it's, it's actually an opportunity, I think, for, for the, the truth of the gospel because it's what people crave. They want to overcome death, and there's only one way. Euthanasia won't do it. Euthanasia will take us down a dark path, there's no doubt. Uh, and death will still be real in the end. It'll still get you. But uh, it's, it's Christ himself that is, that is the one who brings life in those circumstances. And in a longer conversation, uh, we would talk about palliative care and is enough being done to make people comfortable towards the end of their lives and uh, the risks about coercion and all of the uh, challenges that come along with this sort of legislation. In some sense here, uh, Martin, we wouldn't even be talking about euthanasia unless at the other end, and when we talk about the end of life, we talk about the beginning of life. Of course, uh, abortion in Australia is way, way, way uh, down the track, out of control, you might say, because uh, we have dreadful abortion laws in so many states around Australia. But uh, let's come to something that is very current and something very much today, the abortion bill in New South Wales. And uh, this is something significant because there's a special vigil for life that starts at noon today. Uh, it's a critical time for people in New South Wales especially to stand up here and, uh, and try and uh, head off this particular legislation at the pass. What are your thoughts for what's happening in New South Wales today? 
Well, isn't it, isn't it a concern, Neil, that we're talking just about, uh, you know, sort of the same thing at the beginning of life and the end of life? And you just seem to see moves on this right around the country uh, at the moment where there is a move in Australia now to select categories of life that are less worthy of living than others or categories of life that can be taken by other people, whether it's a, uh, a doctor to assist someone to commit suicide because of their health or whether it's a doctor to uh, intervene because a woman has chosen to uh, kill a child. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. There's no doubt that a baby in the womb is a human being. That's a scientific term. Uh, people argue over whether it's not personhood, but it's a human being, and you are extinguishing its life. And in New South Wales, we face uh, a debate tomorrow uh, on a highly, highly liberal, in fact, uh, the most liberal abortion law in the world, uh, is going to be debated tomorrow. And uh, look, indications are at the moment that it will pass. But, you know, as Damien Tudor, hope the New South Wales Finance Minister said, he said it will only pass if you don't speak up. Um, and uh, people need to. There's a vigil for life uh, starting at 12 o'clock today, and if people Google Vigil for Life New South Wales uh, or visit the Right to Life website um, in New South Wales, they'll find the details for that, and that will continue until the bill is voted on, uh, which is probably tomorrow. Um, and also ACL have a campaign where people can uh, look up who their MP is and shoot off an email. It's all very simple and easy. You just plug your details into a form at acl.org.au, our website, Google us, uh, and there's a link at the top of the page you can click on and go through and, and send uh, that email. But this is allowing yeah, babies to be killed right up to the point of birth. So uh, viable children that could live outside the womb, babies that could be about to be born, are able to be killed. Uh, and we know just how barbarous that is. I mean, they can feel pain from 16 weeks is merely one reason why uh, that's wrong. I mean, extinguishing all life is wrong, but this bill goes even further. Martin, I know that there'll be Sydney-siders who are listening to us talking about this now, and perhaps they've got a little bit of time on their hands over this next uh, 24, 48 hours. Uh, the idea of a vigil for life, some people will think, well, I never do that sort of thing, I never march, I never really stand up and, you know, make a personal in, you know, uh, bodily appearance in any of these things to actually make a statement, but... I, I, as I appreciate it, numbers are important when you have things like a vigil that's going to be outside the New South Wales Parliament uh, starting noon today and you're looking for people even to sign up in shifts. So you might not be able to be there for the whole uh, 36 hours uh, of the actual vigil, but uh, people, you want them to be there in numbers because numbers are important. Uh, what's your encouragement to people who might be in the Sydney area or in that part of the world to be a part of this particular vigil? I would say this. I would say, uh, Neil, as you've said, numbers make a huge difference. Politicians would not pass this bill if they thought there was sufficient community opposition to this bill, especially amongst the people that vote for them. They just wouldn't do it. The reality is they just don't think that's the case. However, we can prove them wrong. We have proved them wrong in the past. So it can work because what we need to realise as well is that people who think this way about things like abortion law, there's actually far more of us than we've ever realised. Uh, and all we need to do is show up, be visible and do things. I always say we need to train people with conservative social values to be activists because we're not. Um, and activists are tiny minority groups that get a long way because they act. Uh, and uh, we now need to just shift our mindset away from uh, wishing things would happen uh, or from protesting from the four walls of our house, uh, and we need to actually act and be activists. And I'm telling you now, 
It works. Politicians are pragmatists. They understand it's all about votes. They understand this is why they're trying to rush it through. They don't want to give people time to notice and time to get up and get upset about it. Uh, And so we've got to prove to them that we are active and we're ready and we do have time. Interestingly, when we talk about being an activist and this encouragement for people to turn up to a vigil and just be there uh, making a statement, sometimes people think of, you know, activists as, uh, you know, covered in tattoos and piercings and, <laughs> and the renter crowd and, you know, prepared to, you know, be involved in a violent protest. Uh, but there is a certain sort of activism I think you're talking about, which is ordinary people standing up for a very important right. Uh, so, Absolutely. Yeah. So w- what sort of, you know, the idea of, you know, what you turn up wearing, what you turn up uh, and, uh, you know, whatever sign you might be carrying, uh, those sorts of things are important. What what do you advise people when they're going to be in, involved in a vigil? Look, I just say, come as you are. In other words, look like a normal person, look as you normally would. Um, I, I agree that act, the word activist carries baggage. Uh, and when people hear activists, they think of, yeah, you know, renter crowds and they think of, you know, uh, people with no jobs uh, who are you know, hanging out in the CPD of Melbourne and, you know, gluing themselves to sidewalks in Brisbane, protesting veganism or something. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about. I think we need to give activists a good name again. In other words, all I mean is to act and to act in a political way. Uh, and for us, it's just visibility. It's just numbers. And I would say, look, come as you would normally come and, and just be there. Uh, that's the most important thing, particularly if you're new uh, to this kind of thing. And uh, if we behave ourselves well, uh, which, uh, you know, people on our side very often do, uh, and uh, conduct ourselves in a way that is uh, becoming and, and uh, you know, we can be proud of, uh, but we actually show ourselves and we actually make a statement, politicians don't mind that. They understand that it's part of the democratic process and it does make a difference and it makes us look good. Well, for people in New South Wales, uh, from noon today until midnight tomorrow night, a vigil outside New South Wales Parliament in Sydney. It's the only chance you'll have to make that sort of protest uh, because they may well be making a decision in the New South Wales Parliament about abortion laws and, as Martin, as you say, uh, the worst abortion laws. And uh, every time there's a new bill like this, it seems to go one worse than the last, and the ones that were last and the time before were the worst in themselves, worst in the world when it comes to abortion laws. Uh, let me just point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website if you're wondering how you can be involved in that, and there is going to be a link there, no doubt, where you can sign up and be saying, well, I'll be there for three hours, and you can put your name down, you can be there and be a part of that vigil. Uh, one quick other one before I let you go. There's so many issues, and I'd love to be able to talk about all sorts of things, including those mass shootings in the U.S., uh, or even an update on Israel for Lao. But there's one point I'd just love to uh, get your insights for a few moments here, Martin. Uh, University of Queensland, there's been protests in Queensland and those uh, China protests, uh, you know, people who are in solidarity with uh, Hong Kong and uh, the protests that have been going there uh, resisting the uh, control that can come from China. And uh, the interesting point just to draw attention to is that there have been some students in Australia, in Queensland, who've been scared to show their faces because the eyes of the Chinese regime are everywhere and uh, there are even threats to their families back in Hong Kong. What are your thoughts for the reach of China into Australia and the way that we perhaps need to be thinking about 
a Christian response, or the way we uh, we think about the uh, the incursion of of China into all of our context, particularly universities. What are your thoughts, Martin? This is a huge issue, actually, Neil. This is something that uh, has really uh, come home to me in recent times. I have friends in Hong Kong, um, quite a few, actually, and I was recently over there, and I would describe their mood. I was actually over there around the time of the last the protests when they first started. They're on going, by the way, and they keep sending me pictures through and all the things that are going on. And these protesters in Hong Kong are shining lasers into the security cameras uh, as they protest. Uh, so that they can't be picked up and they're wearing you know, things over their face and everything now as well. And I would say they're genuinely afraid. Uh, and these are normal, uh, mainstream uh, Hong Kong Christian people. And there's a genuine fear of China, a really strong fear, actually. And I can understand why uh, in Australia they're also afraid. And uh, I saw that the US Secretary of State, I think it was, I was really just flicking through the news last night, uh, and he was saying to Australia, look, we need to reassess our relationship uh, and our relationship with China moving forward in the midst of China's rise. And um, I think that's exactly right. I don't quite know what that means, but we're in a situation now where we're very close to uh, an emerging superpower uh, whose human rights abuses, uh, whose disrespect for the rule of law uh, and whose control over their citizens is is getting, frankly, out of control. Uh, They have this social credit system that they're rolling out. It's not quite finished yet. But they're rolling it out so that every single citizen in China has a score out of 200. Uh, and they use facial recognition cameras to monitor bad behaviour. Uh, you know, things like being late for work, things like jaywalking, all this kind of stuff. And that'll get you minus points on your credit rating. But if you go and give blood and if you go and uh, volunteer uh, for a, a local charity, your, your credit rating will go up. But of course, it's open to total abuse. And there's people over there who are political activists and all the rest of it who are now banned from travel. They're banned from getting on trains. They're banned from flying. Uh, the facial recognition system is being rolled out in a massive, massive way. There are cameras just everywhere, uh, and they're, they're building up and building up and building up, and you can't walk 20 metres without being scanned. Uh, this is what's happening. Uh, meanwhile, the human rights abuses of you know p- churches being shut down, being vandalised, pastors disappearing in the night, priests disappearing in the night, the emergence of stories of concentration camps where they have up to a million uh, religious minorities, a uh, million people from religious minorities actually incarcerated uh, under dreadful, dreadful conditions and political prisoners and all the rest of it. I, I think people have sort of just sat back in the modern world and not realised that China has actually arrived at a position uh, that looks a lot like some of the hideous regimes of the past uh, that we look back at and condemn. And we found ourselves very close to these guys, very dependent on China for money, for income, for trade. Uh, and, and in a position where we need to remain friends with them for security reasons, for military reasons. But there's a moral problem emerging. And the moral problem is how can we be friends and be so close when the situation is so dire and such that we're on the precipice, really, of some very bad things happening? People in Hong Kong are scared. Um, I understand it. I understand why they're scared over here. Uh, there are consequences now. Uh, if you cross China, even as an ordinary citizen. So, Neil, I don't fully know the answer to the question yet, but I do think that we should pray for the church in China in particular, pray for pastors in China because of the challenges that they're now facing, uh, and also start to think very carefully about our attitude to... I mean, it almost is a question of Australian wealth, you know? (laughs) We're so wealthy because of China. And uh, I'm sitting here going, oh, gosh, that's going to be a problem in the future. That's going to be a moral problem. 
Well, I like the way that you've directed us to the idea that there are no easy answers to this and that prayer is going to be a place where we can bring our concern before God. And as you talk about the growth of the church in China, I know that there are significant things happen when there is pressure on the church. And uh, interesting the way that the influence of the Chinese is overflowing their shores and is even on our shores in Australia. Uh, I'll point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website for more insights and understanding about some of the issues that are shaping the way that our society is developing. The Australian Christian Lobby website is acl.org.au. Martin Niles is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, always appreciate your insights. Thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. That's my pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.